Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. But anyway, we're going to be talking about frightened. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever been frightened by something or someone? Amen. I think we've all been frightened by something or someone. Uh, the other day I had to go to my cabin. I left the house. It was at 3 o'clock in the morning. I got to my cabin about 3.30 in the morning because I was looking for my wife's blood pressure cup. And she, her blood pressure was up, so she needed to take her blood pressure and see where it was at. So she said, honey, can you go get it in the middle of the night? So I drive all the way to my cabin, get to, get to the cabin. And I don't know about you, but I like it when I'm with a group of people. How I many you know what I'm talking about, Right. You know, you feel kind of a little more courageous, a little more braver. But now I've probably pulled in my driveway 100,000 times. I mean, I don't know. But this particular day, 3 o'clock in the morning, it seemed darker. I, I don't know. Maybe it just was in my mind, right? So what I did is I pulled up in my, in my driveway, and I'm in my truck, and I made sure, first of all, when I stopped, that my doors were locked. And then when I got there, I waited till the, uh, the, uh, the motion light came on. So once the motion light came on, I looked around, and I made sure nobody was out there, right? My wife's cracking up because I called her. And I, I made sure there was nothing out there. So I got out of my truck, and I normally take my normal stroll to the, to the door, got to go up the steps to open the door. But this time, because I was by myself and it seemed like it was darker, I walked a little faster. And so as I was walking a little faster, wouldn't you know that everything is heightened when you're by yourself? And all of a sudden, I'm walking a little faster to get up the steps, and something behind me, it sounded like, to me, it sounded like an earthquake. And I started running up the steps. And I mean to tell you, I'm not kidding you. I was sitting there, and I was shaking to get the key in the door. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. I'm shaking to get the key in the door. So finally, I had to grab my other hand and, and hold myself together. And I put the key in the door. I opened up the door. I got in the door, quickly locked it, turned around, looked out the window, and guess what? Nothing was there. And I went, Phew. But I was freaked out. I mean, to tell you, I was scared. But if, if you ever know this, you have to know take this out. Fear makes things seem louder. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Man, I was all by myself. It made things seem louder. Like, man, whatever that noise was scared the fire out of me. Makes things darker. Man, I've been in my driveway a hundred times. But this particular day, it seemed darker when I was by myself. And even scarier than it really are. How I many you know what I'm talking about? That's what fear does. It makes things seem louder darker and even scarier than they really are. And so, I mean, if you have those, when frightened, your thoughts go crazy. How I many you know what I'm talking about? My thoughts were going a mile a minute. Whoa, man, there's a bear out there. I'm going to get attacked. I'm going under. I'm going down. Honey, I love you. I'm saying my dear John letter, right? Your thoughts start going crazy. Man, you start saying your obituary. You're writing it all out. Always thinking the worst. How many of you know that that's what happens when, when fear comes? You're always thinking the worst. You're always waiting for the next shoe to fall. What's going to happen now? This happens, so I know, man, I'm, I'm not lucky enough to be blessed. So, man, I'm just going to wait for the next shoe fall. That's what fear does. It makes you blow things out of proportion. How many know what I'm talking about? You take it from a commercial and you start making a movie, and guess who's the director of it? You. You're the director of your own movie. And the movie that you write, you write even the script. And the more you start thinking upon it and the more you start pondering on this movie, man, it gets scarier and scarier and scarier until eventually it paralyzes you and puts you in park. How many know what I'm talking about? 
right? But look at this. It makes your thoughts go crazy. Always thinking of the worst and waiting for something bad to happen. You know, Carrie Underwood's got the song, Oh, Something Bad. Let me know what I'm talking about. You ever heard that song? No, you guys, come on. I'm going to, hey, board members, we're going to buy a jukebox and put it right out there. And we're going to start playing songs, not Christian ones. When you come into church, we're going to think we're a honky-tonk Jesus. Hey, I'm going to teach you some songs around here. Amen. But look at this. In our world today, we are frightened by the economy. How many know what I'm talking about right now, right? Our economy is up and down. We're afraid of our economy. If you look at the Dow Jones and the S&P, which I always do, uh, stocks, and you always see where they're up and down, and we invest, and sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're sad. A lot of times we base our, our economy by what we see on the Dow and the S&P. If that's down, then everything else is down. And we gain, we think, man, our economy is going down. I don't know about you, but everywhere you look, and if, you're bl- if you don't see it, you're blind. Everywhere you look, there's somebody looking for help, looking for workers. Today, I I had three people in the first service come up to me and said, Pastor CJ, do you know anybody who's looking for a job? Man, I need help. I need a, people to help me for a job. I, t- I gave them your name, Andy, about driving or, or snow plowing. So they might come to you and ask you to snow plow. But there's people that are looking for jobs that they can't find workers. And the economy is up and down. And we worry about the economy. Are we going to be able to make it? Are we going to be able to survive? Is it going to crash? Is the dollar going to go down? Now they're talking about this trillion-dollar budget that they want to put before the table. It's not being voted on. And every time you hear that, our ears perk, perk up and think, the United States, we're going into debt greater than ever before. And so there's this anticipation or this fear of being frightened by the economy. Another one is this, our homeland security. That, man, our homeland security, we're pulling the troops off this area and that area. And man, we're not being, defend, being able to be defending our country as strong as we were. And, man, we kind of weakened our stance after 9-11 before we were so heightened on our stance of 9-11. And now because things have kind of settled down and whatever, now we're pulling off troops and we're not putting our military into effect like we used to before. And so now there's people that are frightened by our homeland security. And then there's another one is this, a new world order, a one world order that Man, are we going to become an economist state? Are we going to become an economist company, country that we're ran and we're communists and we're controlled and dictated by the world and by our government and by all what's happening? We have all these realities and he's being frightened by these things that are going on in our world. And I don't know about you, but I did a missions trip in Russia, and we built a church in Russia, and I did a pastor seminar there in Russia, and I, I'll never forget. But as we did that, I got to stay in one of those old communist hotels or apartments that they used to live in. And I'll never forget myself and Kevin Graves and the other missionaries that we were there with. Man, we got into our apartment. We walked in, and you opened one door, and I'm going to tell you, that was cool. And it was a, a door that was probably two inches thick of steel. It was unbelievable. It's almost like you're walking into a safe. But that was the first door. And then the second door that you walked into, it was almost like you're taking your browning safe. It was so thick, it was probably thick, uh, six inches deep of steel. And you opened that second door, and then you walked in. So when you went to bed at night, you pulled the first door shut that was two inches thick, and then you pulled the second door shut that was probably six inches thick. And I'm going to tell you, you heard that clink, 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 clink. But what really came to me was, man, how these people were so confined and dictated by the communist country that they lived in. And it's a reality that many people are afraid of or frightened of right now. That is this going to happen in our world? Is this going to take place? In Joshua, 
Joshua chapter 1, he kind of had that same reality. If you read the story of Joshua, I love reading the biographies of men, women, great heroes of the Word of God. If you like to read about heroes, read about Hebrews 11. That's the Heroes of Faith chapter, Hebrews 11, where it talks about all the heroes. But one of our, my great heroes that I love is Joshua. Joshua was a great hero of God. And one of the things that made Joshua such a hero, the Bible says that when he sent out the spies, Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies, and when they came back, ten of the spies came back with a negative report, said, we're going to be overcome, we're not going to be able to take them, man, we're going to be over, man, thrown, and they're going to destroy us. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes, and man, the Philistines. But Joshua and Caleb came back, and they said, no, we can overcome these great giants. And because he had that attitude, you know what Joshua was labeled as? He was labeled as a man with a different kind of spirit. A man of faith, a man of trust, a man of hope, a man of belief, who put his faith, trust, and hope in God. And because of that, now God honored him and recognized him and put him in a position of promotion to now lead people. And how many of you know that sometimes leading people is like herding cats? You know what I'm talking about? Man, I don't know about you, but we had our family reunion. had almost 40 people at our houses last Labor Day. And I mean, to try to tell you, we tried to go kayaking, try to get 40 people to go kayaking. It took us an hour to get them rounded up. But God put Joshua in charge of leading people. But when he was leading people, he spoke to Joshua and he said these words. And he said these words because there was pressure, there was torment, there was uh, things going on, the economy, there was war, all the things that we are approaching right now in our world right now. But look at what he said to Joshua. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep it always on your lips. May the words of my mouth, Psalms 19, verse 14, may the words of my mouth, now watch this, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, the reason why he says upon your lips, what a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. With the overflow of his heart, his mouth will speak. He says, listen, if you speak the word of God, it is written, and let it come out of your lips. The enemy is going to be fearful of what you are speaking. You are speaking the living, active, sharpening, any double-edged sword, word of God. Keep it on your lips. But then he goes on to say this. And not only keep it on your lips, but meditate on it. Meditate. Like a cow chewing your cud. Get all that you can. Meditate. Fixate on the word. Man, fixate on God. God's word. I always say this. When I'm meditating, I remember this. When I'm meditating on God's word, I'm always finding a promise over my problem. So when I'm going through a problem in my life, I'm meditating on God's word for the promise over my problem. So God, you're giving me a promise over my problem, and I'm going to meditate on that problem, and as I do, that problem that I have is going to be suffocated by the promise that I have in your word. So you got to meditate on a promise of God's word. God, I'm going to fix my eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of my faith. I'm going to meditate on your word. Now watch this. On it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now watch this. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now I want you to hear that. 
When you think of the word prosperous and successful, you think of financial gains or the second thing, or material gains. Financial gains or material gains. That's how we gauge our society. Man, by what we drive, how we look, the house we have, all these things, we gauge ourselves or being successful by the job maybe we have, the amount of money you make. That's how we gauge everything of being successful. But God's not talking about that here, Deb. God's talking about being prosperous and successful. And if you study that and research that, he's talking about that you are prosperous and successful, number one, in peace. That you're going to be prosperous and successful in peace. You ever think about why prosperous and successful in peace? Because when you have peace, you're able to make right decisions. And if you ever notice, when you're going through a storm in life and whenever you're going through pressure situation, a lot of times we react by the emotion and we react. And sometimes when we react, have you ever said this before? Open mouth and insert foot. Because you're reacting by your emotions. You're reacting how you're feeling instead of having a peace that passes all understanding. Instead of fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. So he says, I'm going to prosper you in peace. And that's why David says in Psalms 46.10, peace be still and know that I am God. In other words, that I am in control. You just remain in peace and don't open mouth and insert foot and get yourself in trouble. So he says, be still. But watch this in verse 9. Watch this. He's saying this to keep the word hidden in the heart. But now in verse 9, he said, I have not command have i not commanded you have i not commanded you now watch what he says be strong and courageous the opposite of courageous or courage is discourage and he's saying joshua remain strong and courageous now you know and i know that i'm nothing but i'm all things through christ who strengthens me and he's saying joshua be strong not in your own but in me. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, in my weakness, I'm made strong. When you empty yourself out, it allows God, the Spirit of God, which is powerful, living and active, to reign and rule in you that makes you strong. So be strong and courageous. Now look what he says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So he says, don't be afraid. If you ever notice in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he said, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity or fear. He says, Michael, I didn't give you a spirit of timidity or fear. But watch what he said he did give you. He said, I didn't give that spirit of fear to you. But what I gave you, he said this, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and what a sound mind, being able to reason and make right decisions when you're under fire or under pressure. And a lot of times we hear this say, I did it by reaction and I emotionally reacted. And because I emotionally reacted, I said something, did something I shouldn't have done, and I hurt the person that I said it to and done it to. And we didn't stop and reason it out before we did it. Bless you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I said in the other service, but I had to push it out. Wouldn't pay the rent, right? But 
listen to what he said. Be strong and be not afraid. But he said, discouraged. Why does he say, don't be discouraged? You know what fear does? Fear will get you discouraged. And when you are discouraged, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to quit. You want to give up. You want to throw in a towel. You feel desperate. You feel hopeless. You feel despair. I can't make it. I can't be overcomers. I'm going to be overcome. And so he says, don't be afraid or to be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, if you have your notes, watch this. I love this. God told Joshua these things because he was preparing Joshua to do great things. I love this. One of the most powerful descriptions of fear is to take flight or to run from. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's what happens normally when we're faced with fear. What do we want to do? We want to take flight or we want to run from it, thinking that if we avoid it, it will go away. But I always find this to be true. The enemy will always bring up the tactic that will always paralyze you. So if you never deal with what you're confronting with or confront it, if you never deal with it, you think you can run from it. But I'm here to tell you, when you start going back down on that journey, guess what the enemy's going to do? He's not going to fight fair. He's going to bring that same thing back up again until you deal with it. He always brings back the same tactic. If he knows he can get you, he's going to always bring it back. That's why the Bible says a dog returns to its vomit. Why does he turn to his vomit? Because the enemy always goes back to your past. He always goes back to those things to bring you down, to make you be tempted to fall back into what you used to fall back into and walk away from God. So if you don't deal with it, you think you're free from it, but you're going to be walking and all of a sudden, boop, there it is. There it is. Because you never dealt with it. So he says this. One of the most powerful things is running to run from it. And then he goes on to say, fear is also described as an unpleasant emotion caused by belief of harm or pain. How many know what I'm talking about? When you're going through a fear, you got fearful, what's the first thing you're doing? Man, fear comes. And then all of a sudden, harm comes. And all of a sudden, pain comes. And all of a sudden, you start making all these things and you exaggerate and make things bigger than they really are. When my kid broke curfew one time, man, he was supposed to be home at 11 o'clock. He come home at 11.15. By the time 11.15 rolled about, man, I had two movies written. Man, part one and part two. I was already calling the hospital. I thought he was in an accident. I wrote this script up so bad that Cheryl and I were laying in bed. We were paranoid Floyds. And then when he came in the door, we're like, ooh, see, I told you, honey, everything's okay. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you do that? And what you imagine and what you think, it never happens. It says 99% of the things that you imagine and think is going to happen, guess what? You read it for yourself. Don't even happen. But in the meantime, man, you worked yourself up, man, into a tizzy. Man, you got all full of anxiety. You got all full of worry. You did things, said things. You became a paranoid Floyd. All these things happened in your life. That's what was going on. Look at this. I love this. If we look at fear as running away from something, I think we can see that God wasn't telling Joshua not to feel fear. Now, you got to get this. Not to feel fear. We're all going to have a sense of fear. We're all going to feel fear. But here's the difference. We all, we will all feel a sense of fear. Now, get this. Get this. In our lives, we're all, none of us are exempt from it. But we don't have to let it control us. 
You see the difference? We're going to all sense a spirit of fear. But do you have to let it control you? See, fear can dictate you. It can dictate you. It can tell you how high the jump. It'll make you paranoid. It'll make you stop, put yourself in park, quit, give up. Because why? Anxiety and fear stop you. It paralyzes you. And I always say that fear is false evidence appearing real. It appears real, but it's not. I love this one. This is God wanted Joshua that he would feel fear and that when he did, he would not flee because God would be with him. Man, God, I know that you are with me. And you know what? If Cheryl was with me when I went to the cabin, I know I wouldn't have been fearful. I got my honey with me. Man, I, I got to protect my wife. I'm the man. But she wasn't with me. And believe me, you, things were exaggerated even worse. The sky got darker. The bear got bigger. The wolf even howled louder. And I ran. How many know what I'm talking about? Fear is sometimes based on a feeling or an emotion based on wrong thinking. You can think yourself into fear. True story, true story. There was this guy, he was a homeless guy. True story, you can read it up. There was a homeless guy, and one day he jumped on a train. And when he jumped on the train, he jumped into a freight, a freight car that was for freezers. And so it would have freezing meat and all that kind of stuff in it. And he jumped into this freight car thinking he was going to get away and go down to his next destination. True story. He got in this freight car. And as he was going, he started to feel cold. And, man, he started to feel cold, and he thought, man, I, I'm going to die. I'm going to take my life. I'm going to freeze to death. He tried to get out of this freight car. True story. He tried to get out of this freight car, and he said, man, I'm going to die. And he was frantically trying to get out of this car till eventually when the train stopped, the conductor opened the car, and they found this gentleman, this homeless guy, frozen to death. Here's the funny thing. True story, Bill. When the freight man opened up, the conductor opened the car, the car wasn't frozen. It wasn't even running. Matter of fact, it was like it's outside air. But the man, because he thought he was going to freeze to death, he died frozen to death. True story. What you think is a tragedy that can happen in your life. Job said, that which I fear has now came upon me. Faith attracts blessings. Fear attracts attacks. When you are walking in fear, you are allowing the enemy to come into your territory. And when he comes into your territory, he steals, robs, and destroys. He takes that which God is trying to give to you. That's why Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. But the opposite of that is the enemy comes to steal. And that which Job feared the most came upon him. And you wonder why you're being attacked. And you wonder why you're gripped with fear and anxiety and worry. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who your daddy is? Do you know who your God is? And if God is for you, who can be against you?
What are you fearing that is taking from you? In Deuteronomy 31.6, and I know time's getting away. Man, I get up here, and I got up here at 11.20. I mean, 11.41 is what I got up here. Can you believe that? 11.41. Be strong and courageous. Can you see that again? Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Can I ask you, if you study that verse, let me ask you something. What is your them? What is your Roxy, your them? Is it your job? You're afraid of your job? Is it because people are attacking? What is your them that is attacking you in your life? And then when you identify your them, once you identify it, let me ask you something. Are they greater than your God? What is your them that is holding you back from him? And walking in the fullness that he has for you in your life. Watch this. For the Lord your God goes with you. Here's a promise for your problem. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise for your problem. That when you're going through the battle of your life and you're feeling fearful, Remind yourself that God is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He's an on-time God. The battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. I'm going to be still and know that he is God. In your notes, never means never. So when you think he has left you, remind yourself, never. My God will never leave me. My God will never leave you, Deb. He is always there. He will never leave you. The average American moves every five years. But my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His address is established over 2,000 years ago. And he is established forever. His character, his personality, his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his spirit never changes. You can bank on that. That's better than any investment that you ever invest in. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, it says this. So do not fear, once again, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Don't quit. Some of you are ready to quit. I know it. I feel it. Quit on your marriage. Quit on your job. Quit on yourself. You're ready to quit. Joshua could have felt that way. Isaiah could have felt that way. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Now watch this. Get this. Not only is he your God, Quinn, look at what he says. I will strengthen you and help you in the midst of your struggle. God, I'm unable to do it, but God, I know that greater is he that's in me. You will strengthen me and give me the ability to rise up out of this muck and mire, this junk in my life, and these fear chains that are holding me back. I will strengthen you, help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In other words, God says, listen, I got this. I will strengthen you. When you think you can't make it is when you can make it because that's when I can take control. When you let go, that's when God can take control. And when God takes control, you can rest assured that you're going to come out of this situation. God has promised us to give us strength 
and he didn't call us to fight. Now get this. Didn't call us to fight, but stand. Stand firm in your word. Stand firm in his promise that, God, I may not understand it. God, I don't like what I'm going through. God, where are you? But, God, I'm going to stand even when I've done all. I'm going to stand. I'm not going to waver in my faith. I'm not going to waver with disbelief. I'm not going to walk in doubt. I'm not going to walk in fear. God, I'm going to stand. I may sense fear, but I don't have to let fear control me, dictate me, and hold me back. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. He says this, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. <laughs> Watch this. You got to get this. You got to get this in your spirit because this is one of the biggest weapons that the enemy brings to God's people. Do not fear. What? Do not fear what? For I have redeemed you. You want to understand one of the biggest tactics in the assignments, Roxy, that the enemy loves to do in God's people? You know why God said, I redeemed you? Because one of the biggest tactics and fear tactics that the enemy loves to do is always to bring up your past. And God said, wait a minute, I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. Some of you are walking in fear. What are people going to think about me? I failed. I messed up. I wasn't a good parent. I did this. I did that. I've done this, man. And the enemy loves to bring up your past. But God says, I redeemed you. And therefore, because I redeemed you, you need to remind the enemy when he brings up your past, you need to bring up his future. He loves to paralyze God's people. Man, I can't get, man, do this because what are people going to think about me? Hey, if I lived in my B.C. days before Christ, I would not be up here right now. But I love this. And I got to keep moving. Do not fear for I redeemed you. I have summoned you. And by name you are mine. Well, I'll watch verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. I love that. Again, God will be there in the waters, deep or shallow. He is there. When you are feeling a sense of fear, remind God of his promise. You said. You said what, God? You said you will never leave me nor forsake me. You said, God, you'll strengthen me when I'm weak. You said, God, you will help me through the battle, that you wouldn't let me be tempted beyond what I'm being tempted. You said, God, you said, this is your word. Sometimes we need to remind God. You may not know what he will do to help you or when. He will do it. But knowing he is with us should be enough. Thank God, you're enough. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Paul is saying there, and before he says that, what can separate me from the love of Christ? Shall persecution, famine, hardships, all these different things, shall it separate me from the love of Christ? Isn't that how the enemy likes to attack? He likes to bring persecution, all the suffering, man, against your life to make you draw away from God, make you start walking in disbelief, make you question your relationship with God, make you wonder, does God really care? If he cared, why am I going through this? Paul could have said that, but here's what he said. What then shall we, you, say in response to these things? Here's your response. Your promise over your problem. If our God, your God, the one who never leaves you nor forsakes you, the one who's always with you, the one who's always in the boat of your storm, if our God, 
your God is for us. Who can be against us? You and God make a majority. God can say to your storms, enough is enough. God can look at your fear and say, shoo, fly, don't bother him. But then he goes on in verse, 1 John 4, verse 4. Go ahead, Pastor Andy. Where are you at? He's already there. There he is. He's hiding behind the curtain. Door number one, door number two. What's behind door number three? Oh, the prize. Watch this. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, go home and do this. You, dear children, CJ, are from God and have overcome them. Now watch this. Because the one who is in you, Steve, Mary, the one who's in you, in you, is greater than the one who's in the world. <clears throat> Remember that commercial, the Territon cigarettes commercial? And they used to have that Territon com commercial, I'd rather fight than switch. They came out with a black guy because he was fighting over cigarettes. I'd rather fight than switch. Give me a black guy, devil. You, I'm a weeble. I wobble, but I won't fall down. Greater than the one who's with me. A lot of times when you are faced with a sense of fear, it will keep you from doing what you want to do or should do. Now watch this. Get this one. You can be wasting your life away by waiting for fear to go away. You could be wasting your life away by waiting for that fear to go away. What's keeping you from your promised land? What's keeping you from your purpose in life? What's maybe keeping you from being promoted or succeeding or going forward? Are you feeling inadequate? I'm not qualified. But I said this morning, God doesn't look for extraordinary. He looks for ordinary to make them extraordinary. Watch this one. Check this out. Fear has no real power over us if we understand what it truly is. Is it really real? Or is it just this? Here's what it means. Watch this. Fear has no real power if we understand what it is. It has no power to harm us because it only shows us images. Now you got to get this. Images, just like my son. I thought he got an accident. I was ready to call the hospital. Had all these images running in my mind. And causes us to think about what harmful things may happen to us if we go forward. Maybe some of you need to take out a new canvas and start painting a new picture. Because the picture you're painting is not God's picture for your life. You need to throw that one away and say, wait a minute. God, you're a God of second chances. I'm going to be a new artist. I'm going to take out new paints. I'm going to take out a new brush. And I'm going to paint a new picture. I close with this. I shared this in the first story. First service. I'm going to share with you something real vulnerable, and I'm going to close. What you don't know about me is that for 40 years, I've been preaching now. Started out as a youth pastor. I was scared to death. Sometimes people laugh at me because of my grammar, which I understand totally. If you knew where I came from, you wouldn't laugh. 
My first service I preached was in Union Grove, Wisconsin. I did a revival there. I didn't know how to preach. I couldn't preach out of a wet paper bag. I was scared to death. But I remember that time there in Union Grove, Wisconsin, people by the hundreds, I kid you not when I say hundreds, were coming forward my first service. Man, they were getting saved. My mother was sitting back there where you're at, Brian, right where you're at. And my mother prayed me to be where I'm at today, to be a pastor. And the whole time I'd look back where you're at, Brian, and my mother would say, I could read her lips, son, I love you. I love you. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't even get myself out of a wet paper bag. What you don't know about your pastor, that every time I step into this pulpit, when I move from there to here, something that you don't know, after 40 years you would think I never have this problem. People always say, Pastor, you speak. And man, I used to speak all over the place in front of massive crowds. And, but there's one thing, Michael, that I always sensed. I always had a sense of fear when I step into this pulpit. You may see me up here feeling bold, confident, this, that, and the other thing when I speak. But what you don't know is what takes place on Friday night, Saturday night, to Sunday. God, help me to be able to deliver the word to these people. Help me, God, to challenge them, inspire them, and encourage them. God, help me to get over the fear of coming up here to speak. Because believe me, sometimes it's not easy to come up here and speak, even though it may look like it for me. But I learned the secret. I could let this fear control me hold me back, and I never would have done the things that I've done in ministry if I let this fear grip me. But every Sunday, Harlan, every Wednesday, every funeral, every wedding, Adam and Alyssa's wedding, you know what I had to do for that? Man, I prepared their sermon. They'll tell you, two weeks ahead of time, I worked with Mary on the phone, and I had to get that in my spirit to be able to stand up in front of people and speak. It looks easy. But, Bill, every time I speak, I have to confront it. And when I confront it, guess what? I'm able to do what I'm doing right now. And some of you, God wants you to confront your fears. You will never experience the fullness that God has for your life if you don't confront that which is roaring in your ear. It's time that you let the enemy know your voice, the voice of the lion of the tribe of Judah that lives within you, that when the lion roars, the jungle has to take notice, including the devil himself, because why? The Spirit of God lives within me, and when I roar, I roar with power, authority, confidence, and victory. So fear, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. It's time that you roar. It's time that you let it out. It's time that you know that my God is with me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Will you stand with me this morning? That was only part one. I'll tell you, I'm so excited where we're going to get ready to go with this. How are we going to get over fear? How we break fear? Stephanie, I wanted to say, don't let fear hold you back. Stephanie, you've been in the service. You've been trained. You're a warrior. 
You've been on the battlefield. You've been out there. You know what it's like to fight. You fight spiritually because God has for you. He's going to break. I'm, man, I'll start moving. He's going to break the back of lack off you right now. He's going to break that off you in Jesus' name. He's going to break. Matter of fact, come come here. I'm going to do something I never did. This one, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going to be obedient. Well, come, on, come up here. Come on up here. I'm going to do something obedient right now. Ooh, we're going to break the back of lack right now. Come on. We're going we're gonna to do something crazy in this place right now. I'm just being obedient, guys. I'm going I'm to tell you right now. This is just the Holy Spirit telling me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you when God speaks, I'm going to listen. Stephanie, bring me, bring me somebody. Bring me one of those offering buckets right there. Marilyn, bring that to me. I'm going to bring it. Be obedient. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you. I'm just, whoo, I'm telling God wants to break that off you. And I'm just being, that's Randy. God is faithful. Come here. Honey, I want to contribute the first. Write a check out $50. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to break this lack right now. We're going to break the back of lack. Put a fit. God's people are coming together. Steve, this one, I, I'm just being obedient. I'm being obedient. Stephanie, I love you. You're a warrior, but the enemy's been trying to keep you down. He's been trying to beat you up and keep you down. Today, we're going to give the devil a black eye. We're going to break that spirit of fear off you, that worry about where am I going to go, when's it going to come in, what I'm going to do. We're going to break that off you, and God's people is going to help you right now. So here's what we're going to do. If you want to contribute by breaking the back of lack, I know her need. You're going to walk up here, and you're going to place it in this bucket right now. Come on. We're going to just break the lack. Come on. We're going to break the lack. We're going to bless this lady today. We're going to bless her today. We're going to bless her today. We're going to break the back of lack right now. I've never done this. We're going to do it right now. We're going to bless this lady today. We're going to break the back of lack off her right now in Jesus' name. Come on. Give the Lord praise. We're going to break the back of lack off this girl right now in Jesus' name. We're going to give the devil a black guy what he's intended for bad. We're going to turn it around for the good right now. In Jesus' name. Look at what God's doing. Man, I tell you right now, God is blessing. God is blessing. God is blessing. God is blessing. Let's break the back of lack. Let's give the enemy a black eye. This is what God's people do right here. This is what God's people do. They're still coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. And Stephanie, we're going to bless you in Jesus' name. Woo! I'm getting excited now. We are giving the devil the black eye this morning. We're giving them a black eye this morning. Huh, look at that. Your cup is full and running. It's still coming. Still coming. Now, who wants to be a part of this seed and this miracle? If that's you, extend a hand towards the seed now. This seed is the seed that you sown in your time of need. And if you're going through a financial situation in your life right now, this seed is a reflection of your harvest. And today, we're going to break the back of lack in your life as well as her life. Amen? Let's believe. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for our sister. I love this lady with all my heart. But I've watched, Lord, through these few years how the enemy has been stealing, stealing from her. She's a warrior. She's been trained as a warrior. She's been in the military, God. She served our country. And yet the enemy is trying to beat her up spiritually. 
But today we give that enemy, that devil, that lion thief, we give him a black eye today and show him right now there is no lack in this house. And I thank you, God, for blessing Stephanie and her beautiful children, her son just turning of 16, I believe. God, I believe in Jesus' name for them. And we thank you for every giver. And I speak into their household right now. Into every household. That's you right now. If you're believing for a miracle, let it come into your household right now. I speak into the households of those here right now. We break the back of lack in their finances, Lord God, in their health, in their situations or circumstances that they may be going through in life. We break the back of lack right now. And we speak abundance right now. Increase to every household here today. Lord God, we thank you that fear shall not enter this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, now give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Go be blessed. Go be blessed. God bless you. Listen, Robin, it's coming to your house. I don't know what this means. I'm trying to save it for Miracle Sunday tonight. But Robin, I don't know what this means. You've been praying and you've been believing. But that what you thought is lost is found. The prodigal is coming home. And you know who that is. That what you thought was lost is found. And it's coming home in Jesus' name. You have been faithful. Now God is going to show yourself faithful. Get ready to receive a phone call. It's going to happen in a twinkling, in a moment. And all that unforgiveness and all that stuff is moving away. Prodigal is coming home. Hold on a minute, Pastor Andy. I want to. I want us to do this together. This is my story. Come on. Come on, Andrew. This is my, you don't have to sing another piano. Praising my Savior all the day long. Come on. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purpose of God. Come on. Born of the Spirit, washed in His blood. Come on now. Oh, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Come on, let's give the Lord praise now. Amen. Amen. I want to say God bless you today. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. This young couple over here from here, God bless you this morning. Thank you for being here. See you tonight. God bless you. We love you in Jesus. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.